check if uh, we should have a prayer. And uh, I thought that I would like to, uh, as just to make it as a um, clear-cut thing that this service is no about. Anytime a preacher comes up here, it's not about the preacher. It's about us as a church. And I thought we could share this. So I asked um, uh, our precious brother Yusi to come and to have the prayer for the service this morning. So let's all stand and pray together as we pray over God's word. And uh, and uh, brother Yusi, just um, you know, I just do it like on here. Let's pray together. If we just hold your hands. Just hold your hands in. Oh, how many Feel. Feel as a formula. Father, make us one. Father, make us one, may the whole world see. We are your people. As you, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one. And as you pray for us, Lord Jesus, you want us to be like you and the Father. We are in you and you are in us. And may we are in unity and may we can be born together in the Holy Spirit. This is our vision pray. We ask you, O oh Lord, not because we have enough faith to lay our hands to the sick and be healed. We ask you, Lord, because we love you and we ask you, may do it for us. May we can make us one in unity and harmony. And we can accept each other just as we are, just as you did, O oh Lord. Just as we are come before you, O oh Lord. And may we can be your testimony and a witness all around the world. This is our task on, on, on this earth. And may we can show to the people, yes, we are your people and your nation. And just a matter of time, we believe we could not be in heaven with you. Sometimes we are doubting and questioning. Are we worthy to be there? But you, Lord Jesus, you said, it is finished. Yes, it's done. We are will be there with you. And we're going to meet with you face to face on that day. Here we are, O people, O Lord, in humble heart and humble by your majesty, to give you glory and thanks for everything. And now we can pray all this church. We are, we know, many, many millions of people all around this earth, especially on Sundays, come together in your name. But we are just one of them. One of your people, a little group of people. We want to please you. We want to worship you. We want to give you thanks and glory. And we want to give and bring glory to your name. Maybe all birds see, yes, we are your people. And we are asking in the power of the name of Jesus for every healing in this church, in spiritually and physically. Because we believe, just as we sing, the power in the name of Jesus. And what 
a beautiful name it is. And in your name is everything is possible. In that power we pray, oh Lord, a special healing for our sick in this in this church right moment. moment. No, do it not we don't want miracle from you, oh Lord. We don't need to prove yourself you are <laughs> We know that you can do it. Just do it God, for us. And make help these people and help everyone in here and spiritual and physical healing just as you promised. We know that we never enough faith to do that, to lay our hands on sick or make miracles. But we don't need miracles to prove you are God. We already believe, yes, you are God and you are the power and no one else can but do it for us and have mercy on us and and be with us, O Lord Jesus, and, and we want to hear your words and may touch our hearts to really see you, our God. And, and we pray for all those who is, didn't experience the presence of yours and their, your love. May they, you can touch their hearts to recognize you are real. You are not, not just in the Bible and, and history. You are real and you are the same today and forever. You are Jesus, we believe that, and and this power and this name, we commit ourselves into your into your mighty hand, and we want to your people and help us in the name of Jesus and give healing and Patricia here and if we have two sick people, especially Patricia and Matthew, and and it just may have have mercy on them and just uh, uh, ease their pain. And so, so suffering in, in their life and physically, and maybe other people in this church, they are physically sick, but we commit ourselves into your mighty hand. And we believe that they just do it for us in, the, in, in your name, because we love you and give you thanks and glory and give special thanks to Benny. We maybe can hear your words through him and really touch our hearts by you and we believe that your presence here with us as you promised and we are in one will in one accord to come together and give you glory in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you Brother Goosey. Thank you for standing in the Lord's presence together. Hey, good morning again. Uh, I don't think I'm supposed to turn this. It's all good. Uh, the enemy and the victory. There's a reason I believe Dylan um, Dylan is my man, is uh, responsible for the slides that, he, uh, that I do, because I'm totally computer illiterate, unfortunately. Uh, I didn't take my uncle's advice when he told me to learn computers. I didn't. So thankfully, the Lord gave me Dylan. But he, I, I found it quite humorous when he did that. I'm like, that's great, Dylan. See, the enemy's really small, <laughs> right? And then, he, and then he put victory like huge, and I went, wow, that's amazing. I said, you are full of the Holy Ghost and inspired by him because uh, then a sister came up to me this morning. She said, what are you preaching about, brother? I said, I said I'm going to preach about the enemy. I'm going to preach about the attack. And I'm going to preach about the victory. And she said, hopefully not too much about the enemy. I said, well, when we look at my notes, there's about this much about the enemy. There's about this much about the attack. And there's a page and a half about the victory. So that satisfied her, and she was happy with that. So um, today's reading 
If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, but uh, if not, um, our technician back there, Ben, is going to uh, help us uh, stay with the program this morning. I'm going to read the story, and this is one of my, actually, one of my longtime favorite stories, personally. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, verse 8. And I, I selected verse 8 to 23 because um, there's a bit more to it, but let's start reading here. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, We will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately Elisha, or Elisha, however you want to say it, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. And time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this, and he called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your own bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Those are real troops, real horses, and real chariots. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, You have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me and I'll take you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria, which is the capital city of Israel at the time. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. And when the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink, and send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and sent them home to their master. After that, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. The enemy. God said in his word, the fact is, 
we have an enemy. Here we have a warning to recognize that we have someone who wants to hurt us. The Bible actually says he's the enemy of our souls. It speaks about how he is a liar and how he will lie to you. He wants to steal from you. And the Bible also tells us how he wants to kill you and destroy you. It's a very, very solemn warning. And one of the things that I came up with, I said, our soul is his goal. Your soul is his goal. We can find out something a little bit about the enemy here in this very, in verse eight. You see, the enemy sets up and he converses with his officers and his forces to strategically wage war. He is a warrior. He is on the, in a war. We need to be aware of that. But we also read further on that Elisha, who represents the Lord, the man of God, sees everything that he does, knows even everything that he speaks in his bedroom. And Jesus is the King of Kings, and Jesus is the Lord of Lords, and Jesus is always there. And Jesus sees his every move. Jesus is the Lord. And for my Pentecostal friends, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So then there's an attack. And the first thing we find, let's look at verse 15. When the servant, right, stop right there, the servant. This is a man who's unarmed. This is a man who's in the school of the prophets. This is a man who's been seeking God and loving God and trying to find God. The servant, Apostle Paul calls himself the servant of Jesus Christ many times in the New Testament. The beginning of the book of Jude, Jude calls himself a servant of Jesus Christ, a slave, a servant. Jesus' family referred to him, themselves as the servant and slaves of Jesus. Jesus' friends referred to themselves as servants of the Lord. Basically, it means you have a relationship with Jesus. The plain implication being that Jesus is the Lord. Let's look at Romans 6, chapter 16 through 18. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? That's a choice. 
You can be the slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you, which is the teaching about the crucifixion, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves of righteous living. Congratulations. If my Christian friends, congratulations. You're in the right camp. My non-Christian friends, I pray that you get into the camp of Jesus. Verse two. Our number two, verse 15 again. What does a servant do? It says the servant gets up and he goes outside. God's saying here, get up, look around at life's challenges or the enemy's challenges. That's exactly what the servant confronted when he went out there. He saw the enemy. Confront them through the power and the name of Jesus. Satan can attack a person who is sitting home alone and never gets out of the house and never gets to church never sees the love of God being manifested amongst his children, far easier than he can attack the church. And when the servant had seen the troops and the horses and that great army and the great challenge of the enemy in front of him, he only saw it one way. He saw it in the natural His natural reaction was to immediately become fearful. And the master calms him down and says to him, Elisha says, don't be afraid. Verse 15, for on he had, the next thing was, what will we do now? He saw the enemy and he says, what will we do now? He cries out to Elisha. Don't be afraid when you confront the enemy or your challenges to ask Jesus the question. In other words, don't try to solve life's problems and challenges by yourself. Don't try to find the answers alone. Jesus is the risen Lord. So we talked a little bit about the enemy. We talked a bit about the attack. But let's look now at the victory. First thing that happens, verse 16, the master responds, and Jesus will respond. Don't be afraid. 
For there are more on our side than on theirs. We have the sure victory through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Look at Colossians chapter 2, 14 through 15. This is what God has done for those who trust His Son who and believe that He died on the cross. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took them away by nailing it to the cross. You know, if you stop right there for a second, because imagine being a judge and being in court, and the judge says, is sitting there and says, where's the charges, please? And the bailiff walks over and goes, here they are, and he looks down and there's a blank paper there. The judge would look and go, okay, I don't know what happened out there or what went on in life, but as far as I'm concerned, this man has done nothing wrong. I can't even, in my mind, think of anything that you might have done wrong because the record has been wiped away. There is none. God doesn't go, oh, there's, I don't see the charges there, but I remember, it's not like that. The charges are gone. And the Lord, you think he went to the cross naked, he had a piece of paper with him and nailed it right beside him, right there. The charges against us have been nailed to the cross. That's how the master responded. And right then and there, the enemy's accusations, which was his greatest weapon, was stripped from him and was nullified forever. They're not coming back. Done. Forever. The fifth thing that happens, verse 17. Let's go to 17. Oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Jesus makes intercession for us now. Oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. What does it say in Romans 8:34? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. Paul looked around and there was nobody. <laughs> Not even a devil put his hand up. God himself chose us for his own and given, given us right standing with himself. That is amazing talking about the God of creation. Who then will condemn us? No one for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Oh Lord, open his eyes 
What was God's response? Verse 17, the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. I said, what in the world? God gives us supernatural weapons to fight the enemy. There are spiritual forces and spiritual resources that are there even if you can't see them. Let God show them to you. Let Him. You need to look with your eyes of faith. The eyes that God gave you. You need to use the foundation or the Word of God as your foundation. This is your rock. We talked about building our house on a rock. No enemy, no force of hell can come against this word. I like reading those articles. You might see them once in a while. There was a big fire, but the word of God never burned in it. There was one a couple weeks ago. That's not the first time that's happened. Build on the rock. Because look what it says in Romans 8, 37 to 39. No, despite the enemy's attacks and all the challenges of life, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. All right. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today are, or our worries for tomorrow are about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. So no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a note here. If you don't see God working in your life through your problem, or working in your life in your problem, uh, maybe it's your spiritual eyesight and not God's power. God is not powerless. The eyes of faith work. Pray, Lord, that you open our eyes because you make intercession for us. So what happens in verse 18? Elisha prays, O Lord, make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as 
Elisha asked. The Lord delivers through answers to prayers. I've said this before, and I got it from a great preacher that's making great impact in the world. God does nothing in the affairs of man apart from the answer to prayer. The Lord delivers through answers to prayers. Oh Lord, make them blind. So the Lord stuck, struck them with blindness as Elisha asked. God is so good though. We read on in verse 20. The victory is won. And Elisha, what does he do? He prays for them. Verse 20. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So again, in answer to prayer, the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered they were in the middle of Samaria. Samaria. They didn't have a clue what was happening to them. But in God's goodness, God says this. Of course not. Do we kill prisoners of war? Elisha responded back to the king when he asked him if he should kill him. Those people didn't even know they were prisoners. They walked in there without a fight. Next thing you know, they're surrounded and God says, Give them food and drink and send them home to their master. There was a quote I had by A.W. Tozer and it said, um, I'm not going to quote it, but I'd like to just think about it. He basically said that until we realize how bad we are, we're never going to realize how much God did for us or believe it. See, in over 30 places in the Bible, my friends, it says you are the enemy. If you have not come to God in repentance and trust in his redemptive work of the cross, the Bible clearly says you are by nature God's enemy. All of us were. But God doesn't want you dead. God loves you. He will give you back your sight. He will prepare a table before you, a feast. And then he'll send you home where you belong. Home with the rest of us Christians. 
home ultimately <coughs> to our eternal home where we belong with Jesus. That's our real home. This world we're just passing through. That's how much God loves everyone. And God commanded his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ made the choice to die for us. Jesus said, I can call 10,000 angels right now. And we know that one angel can create a massive earthquake. Yet, he took that ordinance written against us of the charges, and he took it up the cross with him and nailed it there. That's how much he loves you. And the word says that God so loved his world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should never perish but have everlasting life. And my Christian friends, if you are hostile and despairing and feeling trapped, God will intervene. He rescued us from sin. He brought us to the point where we're at the sea. Let's go to Exodus. Look what happened in Exodus when the Israelites and Moses ended up at the sea. God's people being challenged by the enemy, attacked, helpless. But Moses told the people in Exodus 14, 13 and 14, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you, Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. That's for us, my Christian friends, brothers and sisters. <clears throat> I love this little book I found. Every once in a while I go through my wife's stuff and I go, let's see what's going on here. And guess what I found? Have you ever felt like you were drowning in the consequences of your own wrongdoing? Many of us have. We try and try to undo past wrongs without success. Then, out of sheer desperation, we call out to God to rescue us from our circumstances. And that is when Jesus begins helping us. He stilled the storms in the same way while he was with his disciples on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus grasps our hands and he forgives our sins. 
He calms our storms and he tells us, sin no more. He patiently yet firmly points us to the refuge of the cross that he died on for every one of us. And he guides us to a joy-filled life in him. My non-Christian friends, come to Christ today. Be rescued from sin. And this is not politically correct, but it's godly based and biblically sound. And a damnation of forever in hell. God rescues us from our enemies, and God rescues us from ourselves. There's no need to die in hopelessness. Stand still and watch the Lord rescue you. Here's the promise, Romans 10, 13. For, and the word for in biblical exegesis means why, why? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Today's the day. You are alive. It's clear we have an enemy. We have the victory in big, bold letters. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the way you rescued me and my brothers and sisters that believe in you from a self-destructive life. That I was living and that you have set our feet on the solid rock of your foundation. No longer do we have to build our lives on wrong choices, Lord. Instead, we live for you. And though the things of the past haunt me and may haunt others, we know you are more powerful. You are with us and you are with me, helping me work through the problems to make a life that's full and rich and free from temptation and sin. We're excited as we move forward, Father, and we're already seeing the wonderful new beginnings that you have been creating in our lives. But since you are our God, you are our Lord, the one who loves us, you are our guide. And with awe and thankful hearts, Lord, we look back and marvel at all you are doing in our life. We give you thanks for your word. We love you, Lord Jesus. May you be praised and honored. And may our lives be changed because we sat in your presence. You are an amazing God. All glory to you and we love you forever. In the name of Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>